National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio presents. I wish my head could forget what my eyes have seen. Ten years ago, the groundbreaking firefighting movie burned took audiences closer than they'd ever been. Into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them. Ten years in the making, the long-awaited follow-up is finally here. The workload has increased and manpower has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire class, 2019. Yes, Order your two-disc ultimate edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? into the daily episode real quick i want to talk about the 10 of the month club from taylor's tins national fire radio is the 10 of the month for december 2022 right now our tiller time logo is going out the door from taylor for the 10 of the month club 30 dollars for the tin five dollars of every tin goes to an organization of our choice we chose the joey d foundation the lieutenant joseph p d bernardo memorial fund they are doing incredible things their mission is to give back to our own through firefighter escape systems firefighter safety and survival training and lectures it's an incredible organization so i need your help after the podcast go to taylorstins.com order the tin of the month thirty dollars you can put it in a stocking wrap it up as a gift or just put it up on your shelf knowing that you supported us in an incredible cause so i appreciate you I appreciate you for going after this podcast and ordering a 10 of the month. It means the world to me. Shoot me a DM or an email, nationalfireradio uh, at gmail.com, or send me a DM on social media. Let me know you ordered on. We'll get some swag out in the mail to you, a couple stickers, whatever. We'll get something out the door on top of the tin. So please, let me know you order one. Go to taylorstins.com. Order the 10 of the month club. It's tiller time, baby. It's a beautiful shield going to a good cause. Thank you. Without further ado, the daily episode. Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back with my man, Rob Ridley. Hi, Rob. Jeremy, what's going on? How are you, buddy? I'm good. Good. What are you doing there? There is a tremendous amount of banging and noise behind you. What, what are you mixing a drink or something? <laughs> uh, I opened up a pop here, and I was just turning on my light. Got it. All right. So listen, here we are. We're back. At a, we're back doing another episode, you and I, and um, these quick bangers, man. Thirty, forty-five minutes tops out the door. Pick a topic and roll. Tonight's topic's pretty cool. I get to pick. I drew the short straw. I get to pick the topic tonight, and uh, I read it to you. Uh, it's a brainchild of mine, but I got, I'm sure it was influenced from somewhere, and I'll get into that in a second. But the topic tonight is fresh eyes or dangerous eyes. Fresh eyes or dangerous eyes. And then I kind of have just like a two-sentence follow-up to that. If you're not caught up in the history in the past, then you have nothing to compare to or p- compare against. Therefore, you can buck the trend without any preconceived repercussions. So if you're an outsider walking into a, to an insider or to a boys club or to a fire company or a fire department, and you're the outsider and you don't know the way of the land, you don't know what potential repercussions would be if you don't get in line, well, then you can be perceived as dangerous, as a threat, as somebody that challenges the status quo. And we know we don't like that in the fire service. 
Yeah, I, the first thing I think of is uh, for a, for a small flash in the pan, I was a member of the of Port uh, Port um, Ewan up in up by right outside of Kingston and New York, remember, right, Rob? New York, yeah, yeah, yeah. New York, and um, there uh, we were in a company meeting and they were trying to come up with a solution. Uh, for something, it's like, hey, this, you know, this fire department, and I started to say their name, and they, like, they jumped on me for that, and I'm like, guys, like, this is the place, and they're like, no, 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 we're not gonna, we, and they, we don't mention names, and, I, like, so after the meeting, like, I approached somebody, and I was like, hey, like, what's the, what's the deal, this is really awkward, because we're gonna go to them, and they're gonna give us their policy, and, like, it's gonna help solve the problem, um and they were like hot about it and i said i don't i don't know like this this is insane to me because i've never seen this before but what's the deal like i don't understand why so can you tell me tell me what's going on here and it was just this small interaction in this volunteer fire company and they explained it that uh you know stuff got out in the past like there's a couple leaks in the ship so to speak and it created a bunch of headaches for the fire company with some mutual aid partners so ever since that moment they don't mention another department's name for fear of, uh, you know, like having something taken the wrong way. And whatever whatever went down was so bad that it, it kind of instituted this. Now, I still think it's a little, like, you know, we weren't talking bad, but like that that was his rule. And I just, I remember in that, I was, I was, you know, it was just so ridiculous to me at the time. But then afterwards made sense because I just had to, you know, the, the wise option to ask what the hell the, the deal was. But yeah, like that's, that's a minor, uh, you know, a minor thing on a social level of a, of a, of a fire company in the organization, but on the grander scale, like, yeah, there's stuff like that happens in the fire service all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think we get way too comfortable and um, fresh eyes or dangerous eyes. We, when, when everybody's uh, been drinking the Kool-Aid for so long, the vision becomes the same. And you tend to find that the status quo in the everyday becomes the norm. And if the norm isn't rocking the boat, then don't rock the boat. And what I love about this topic, though, is I love guys that like to rock the boat a little bit, right? I mean, there's a lot of times that the status quo and the, the everyday within our fire departments and our fire companies and our, our departments in, in a whole, if things get very comfortable. Comfortable, you know, comfort leads to complacency. Complacency leads to lack of, I don't know, lack of hustle, lack of drive, lack of delivery of our services, and it just goes on from there, right? And and so what I look at is, is that a fresh set of eyes is always, I think, welcomed. And, you know, it doesn't mean that those fresh set of eyes is right or that their way, which is different than the status quo, is right. But what it does do is it puts a challenge on the table, right? Like it's always good to be sure that your practices are sound. I mean, when I think about it in business, there's a lot of businesses and business owners form these groups and contingents that review each other. It's like peer review. And every couple of months, different business owners talk to other business owners in these groups that I know about. And what they do is they analyze how the, the, the one month it's this one company and, and AAA locksmith company gets reviewed by, you know, guys that are considered peers. And, and they look at them with a with a uh, non-influenced eye. They're very impartial and they're looking at it from the outside in and saying, 
you know, hey, you might want to tighten this up here. You can make a correction here. You could save some money here. You might want to hire somebody here. And they can they can certainly help in regard to designing and crafting a plan. And it, it, it can be adhered to. It can be listened to by the ones that are being reviewed. Or they can say, nope, you guys don't know what you're talking about. I appreciate it, but we're going to continue on our way. Fresh eyes are good. Fresh eyes bring challenge. Challenge is good at times. And I mean that in a, in a positive way. It could certainly be construed as a negative as well. And people sometimes do it just to rock the boat and to cause conflict and to point out flaws or deficiencies. But I think that when that happens, there's a certain way that you have to conduct yourself and carry yourself to be sure that if you are pointing out some discrepancies, inconsistencies, things that aren't correct or should be, you know, things that need change, there's a right way to do that. And, uh, and so when you have a fresh set of eyes and you walk into a new room, a new company, a new fire department, the best thing you could do, I think, is to sit back and take it all in. Before you can offer any advice, suggestions, or comments, I think you really need to settle down, relax, take it all in, learn who the players are, learn the situations, learn some of the backstories before you can start formulating strong opinions and then being that fresh set of eyes to point out that change is needed or a different direction is needed or we need to concentrate further here or we lack in things here, I think that comes with a little bit of time. And I think fresh eyes can be eyes that have been there for a few months. I don't think fresh eyes means the first time they walk in the door, you look at something and say, hey, you're doing it wrong or, hey, we need to change this. Right, yeah. You know, I I, I think, too, like, you know, you the fresh eyes aspect that when you were talking when you're going on there, I, all I thought about was disruption and just disruption in the market, but in a positive way to affect change so that things, you know, things move on and we progress and making sure that we're doing that correctly though, versus, you know, something that's done incorrectly that can really uh, affect the mission. Well, disrupt, right? So disrupts a big word. It's a powerful word when you break it down and, and it can be construed as being um, almost destructive, right? And yeah. I think that it has to be looked at in a way that, like, when we talk about disruption, we talk about disrupting the status quo. It's because we understand it well. We've immersed ourselves in it. I mean, this is a this is a topic and conversation where we talk about the delivery of content and information to the fire service and how there has been a change in the way that information is being uh, received and, and, and dissected by the community. And things change. And, and the problem is, is that sometimes disruption needs to occur. You need to have an abrupt about face to wake up others, right? Sometimes with your fresh set of eyes and you offer your suggestion or, or ideas to a room of people that were so dialed into the way things always were, they, they they typically will dismiss you, right? You you are a minority against a machine, if you will, a community that's been entrenched in a particular set of ways for a very long time. And so as you are the minority speaking up, until you gain some traction and support, 
it then can be construed as super disruptive because all of a sudden the status quo that everybody's been so comfortable with, the community's been so overly comfortable with for so long, all of a, sees, all of a sudden sees this as a threat. And that disruption changes it real quick. The thing with that is today more than ever, things are changing and they're changing faster than they've ever changed before. And we know in the fire service, the cliche saying of, you know, the two things we hate is change and the way things, the, the way things are right. And, and I get that, but man, this, this industry, the fire service, there is so much change that is happening quickly. People sometimes criminalize it. They, they naysay it. They, they instantly say no because they're afraid of it. And, and I think that that's where we have to find the right way to deliver the change, the right way to be disruptive. And it only works with when you're fully enamored and immersed into the community to fully understand how things were, why they are that way, and where you want to take that. And then, then you're allowed, I think, and you can have the permissions to take to start to disrupt the way the things are. You know, there's like the three examples or at least two examples that I know in the fight, like that we've seen in the fire service where, you know, it almost seems on this topic is that like we had uh, like the, you know, UL studies and, you know, what I effectively call hit it hard from the yard and how all of a sudden that, that just changed. It, it seemed like overnight there was a bunch of people like, you know, to quote Mo Davis, there are some cowards out there who really just said, like, this is the only way we're going to do it because the study says, and they didn't even know what the study actually said. <clears throat> and the other thing was, uh, you know, clean cabs as far as, uh, you know, like we, we didn't we didn't educate anybody into the actual reasons for it. We were just, you know, people were screaming, cancer's bad. So now you're going to we're going to we're going to make a drastic change to the operation and you're going to have to do it because, you know, there's science and and things and they pointed at, you know, really nothing was there that they were pointing at, but um, they didn't do any of the legwork to actually have a discussion and bring it about. Like what, there are fleets that just were switching over because somebody thought it was a, you know, this was this was a thing and, you know, there's some fleets who are switching back over to the way it was before. Of course um, they are. Of course they are because it wasn't tried and true, right? Yeah. And, and what happened was, is they jumped on a popular topic quickly. And so manufacturers came out with the next latest and greatest without even having any street cred to do so. And that's right. all manufacturers, right? So they listened and they said, oh, my God, we can't have turnout gear in our in our cabs anymore that are dirty. Everybody needs a second set of gear. And, like, overnight, everybody was supposed to switch to these ideas, and it doesn't work that way. And that is a great example, Rob, of how immediacy today is so different than what it used to be in the, in the days past. This is a topic that went from absolute critical must happen. We got to do better for ourselves. And now most departments and a lot of departments have swung back to it and said, it's not realistic. It's that when it's not tried and true, we put, we tried to put that methodology onto the streets and that, and that mindset, and it just doesn't work correctly for us. We can take precautions. We can bag our gear or give guys second sets of gear. Like there's things we can do to limit the exposure, but let's be honest, this job is dangerous. 
we can limit and try to do our best in limiting our potential for illness and injury, but there's always going to be the potential. And so we can do our very best, very best to protect ourselves, but inherently it's going to happen. And the, the clean cab concept got, and not only that, but the way it was, the way people dove, I mean, it's like society today, Rob. It's like politics. It's like hearsay. It's like both sides of the spectrum, Republican, Democrat, whatever. It's, it's everybody believes everything that gets thrown in front of them so fast and they expect everybody to pivot and change so fucking fast. And it's just not possible. And that's, right. and that's why a topic like that fizzled. It fizzled. It lost its it lost any potential momentum because it was it was just not packaged and done correctly. And I also think that there is a lesson that was lost on a grander scale in that uh, with that concept that even today should have been the actual talking point, and that was the fire service and social media. And like you, you think like there was no organization from the, the fire service other than collectively people being like, hey, I think this idea is stupid or they, they thought it sucked. Right. And and what did they do? They had that hashtag clean cabs don't make grabs. And that saying took on like wildfire. And before anybody could say anything or even they could try to, you know, take back steps, they, they were already done. It was like a I mean, you know, I said it was an unorganized but organized campaign against this and then there was you know like just like, like the ingenuity of people being able to say like all right jeremy i'm going to take a video of you coming out of the, the back of, of of your engine in franklin lakes with a pack on and pulling a line and going up to a building and then rob we're going to take a or we're going to do the same video with you jeremy and we're going to have you get out of the cab put your stuff on there and then go to work and like just hammered it and hammered it and even and here's the, the kicker even with people showing that there was an issue with this just on our, our mission of saving lives, we still had people on that dangerous aspect of being like, nope, we're going to do this because uh, we're not going to, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to ostrich the shit out of this and put our heads right in the sand. But that, that mission or that, that mission, that, that campaign that swept through the fire service on social media was really to me, it was like a sentinel event that, I watched happen and I was like, wow, this is th this industry is not going to be able to control this. But how did you not see it coming? I mean, Jesus. And this is this oh, is yeah. I mean, but this is this is my my take on this is that you know, these manufacturers they jumped on board so fast with a hot topic, they come out with with different designs to incorporate it and everything else and it was like, did anybody even do any market research or understand what the what the outcome will be or what the campaign's going to look like. I mean, there's no way in hell it was going to catch on. There's no way. Now, there's things that came out of it, removable seat covers, washable seat covers, second sets of gear, you know, gear yep. storage in a separate compartment, if you will, like for, you know, service call. Like, there's, there's a thousand things you could do. But, like, my question, too, though, is, like, you know, you back that truck in and you're sleeping in the, you're sleeping above the the apparatus floor and that truck's got hose on them, a hose in the hose bed that are covered in in carcinogens and 
and soot and, and everything else. And yeah, okay, you wash your lines down, but like it's not getting rid of the stuff. Like, you know, the, so the the whole concept was just silly. It was not, I understand the, the, the reason why, but in practicality, it just wasn't there. But, you know, do you, and, do you think that, like, because you, I mean, you, you are very involved in your family's business. So, you, you know, like, and I, and I, I've got, that's the one side that most people that are on the outside didn't get to, don't get to watch you interact in that, in that role. And it's really cool for me to see it uh, from time to time, especially, you know, at, at when, you know, at Tri-State and everything. But do you think there was a level of mistrust? I don't know if it mistrust, but like, like, were they so out of touch or were there just people who were too afraid to say, guys, this isn't going to work. Like, I, I don't I, know a customer who's going to do this. No, like, I think, it was, I think it was just opportunity. I think, I think that, okay. uh, I think that it was a hot topic. Cancer in the fire service is a very hot topic. It's still a very hot topic and right. rightfully so it should be right. And so I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to any safeguards in regards to, making our situation a little bit better or taking better precautions. And I, I frankly like listening to what's going on out there right now with the movement that clean gear is, is, you know, salty doesn't need to have dirty gear. And, you know, I mean, think about Rob, think about how many times in your career did you put your fucking gear on and your hands get dirty? I mean, like going out, the, oh, yeah. you're going out the door multiple times a day and every time you put your gear on, your hands are getting dirty or you, you get a smudge on your face because you didn't decon and clean your gear, even just washing it after a fire, right? Like, you know, or, or you hose it down and you hang it back on the rack and then you go back out and you get dirt. Like, so there's things that we can do. The fact that the fact that we're making that known, right? Uh, testicular cancer, right? Because of your crotch and sitting on the, you know, with your with your bunker pants straddled in your crotch like that, and it's it's exposure for, you know, it's it's one of the leading causes um, for for men in in you know firefighter cancers, and so like if we know that, let's let's take a look at that. Let's be more preventative. Let's make sure we're deconning our equipment, our gear. Let's make sure we're deconning our helmets as well, right? Like there's things we can do. Wash down your SCBA after fires with a solution, right? Clean your seats and the apparatus. Like there's things we can do to better, at least better our exposure. But you're not going to eliminate it. And right. I think what happened was when this became a super hot topic, it then went right to, uh, you know, right to the conversation of, well, what can we do to protect our firefighters? We're going to we're going to do a clean cab concept where nothing carcinogenic can, can get in the cab and cause any issues. We're going to put filtration in. We're going to do this. We're going to put separate compartments in. You can't ride in the cab with clean gear, like all this crazy shit. And I think what happens is ideas get ideas snowball and and what happens a lot of times and what i think is happening is that we lose track of the fucking mission i mean the the mission is to come off that apparatus and go to work protecting life and property we we don't have the abilities to do what corporate or mainstream wants us to do town hall has no idea what we do city hall has no idea what we do hollywood manufacturers like you know listen just because the manufacturer is selling you a fire truck it doesn't mean that the people building that truck the people that market that truck the people that sell you that truck are firemen right right you know how many apparatus salesmen are cops 
Yeah. <laughs> right? So, like, when you start thinking about that, right, it doesn't mean that they fully understand what it's like to come out the come off the back step. And so that's where it's important for us, the firefighters, the people that are in the trenches, the people that are doing this every day, take safeguards to be careful about the job and be careful about our exposure when it comes to cancer and things like that. And I think what's great is the educational value of what's being talked about is important. I think that the the conversation, the openness, it's kind of like mental health several years ago where mental health became an okay topic to now talk about. Whereas we didn't talk about it before. And now we right. get now we talk about it, we address it, we have conversations, we have I would think that most departments now have a plan in place how to how to help their members. They have a, a policy. Unions have things built in, protections for their members, right? And the volunteer services has services available to their people. Like mental health is as important as physical health. We know that now, and we're not afraid to talk about that, which is important. And I think now the cancer conversation is very much in the same you know, avenue of being talked about, meaning it's okay to talk about it and we need to talk about it. But what we need to do is educate ourselves with facts. Give the firefighters facts. Don't fucking polish it up with a with a clean cab concept and and you know, we're gonna change the way we do everything. No, we take baby steps. We talk about decon you know, decontamination of your equipment. We push departments to get guys with second sets of gear for busy departments. Things like that. Things that are controllable and they don't disrupt the apple cart. They don't mess with what's going on every single day. So back to yeah. back to the topic, fresh eyes or dangerous eyes. I think education can be a set of fresh eyes. And I think that when you look at it, it's how education, information, science is delivered to a traditional job. It's how we digest it. We've been doing, we've been pulling the same line and putting the same line on the, on the same type of fires for a hundred fucking years, right? Off the back step of my engine, like, don't tell me to change today, right? And so, you know, it takes time. It takes ease. You know, we have to ease into change and we have to accept it. But education is key. And so fresh set of eyes, fresh set of eyes is always good. It's the delivery of the message, though. And that's why I said before, a fresh set of eyes are dangerous eyes because it can disrupt the status quo. And I think we need that. But it's about the delivery of that message. It's how you deliver your fresh set of eyes and what they're seeing and the new message that's coming to buck the trend of the status quo. And so, also, mm-hmm, go ahead. I also think that like when, when we have that fresh set of eyes and we have somebody come in, who's going to, you know, buck the system or challenge the status quo, you know, if you get, if you're, if you're the individual that's taking that information and you're getting angry about it, and that, you know, you, you come into my job and you say, Hey, why are you guys doing this thing? Man, who the fuck does Jeremy think he is coming in here? Tell, like, that's an emotional reaction. And for me, like always the struggle is to stop and say, all right, hold on. I'm mad at this guy who's come in here is like, what, first off, is he being a jerk? No, he's asking a question. He's pointing something out. Why am I getting upset about this? Because if it's, if it's emotional, then I'm not, if I'm emotionally like involved at, at that point, I'm not, I'm not thinking clearly. At least that's usually typically how it goes with, with, with most things, right? So I always I always think when that happens, like you have to you if you feel yourself getting angry or upset about it, like ask the reason, you know, ask yourself why and and kind of go from there because that's gonna start 
help on us figure out, you know, what, once we take the emotions out, now we can look at it factually, you know? For sure. And the other thing too is a fresh set of eyes in, in is, is, is looking at what in the way things are and where they might go might require change. And most guys don't like change. And what happens is, is when you point out that maybe we want to take it in a different direction, those people of the community that's been doing it for so long, a certain way. Yes. They're absolutely emotionally attached to the way they've always done it. And they do not want to change. And the guy that is pointing out the need to change or, or suggesting that we look at other ideas, they better be able to bring their game and back it up. And this is what goes back to what I was saying before, is that if you, when you walk into an organization and, and you have some questions or you don't like what you're seeing, fresh set of eyes, man, it's, it's a new set. And what you, what you don't know is, you know, it's fine. When you, when you, sit, in a, when you sit in a room and, like, you know, everybody, everybody has assigned seats, and then all of a sudden, like somebody comes in that's that's doesn't know that there's assigned seats. There's a hierarchy, right? The informal hierarchy at the kitchen table, and right. somebody sits down in the chair, and that's the boss's chair. And everybody's like, "Oh, oh, oh watch this! Watch this! This is gonna be good! This is gonna be good!" He didn't know. Like that guy can't be faulted because he didn't know. And there's a there's a, a pre there's a pre preconceived like. Ex, uh, uh, you know, expectation of repercussion and everybody else in the room is like ready for the repercussion of this guy sitting in that chair. And it's all about how that boss walks in the room and says, Hey asshole, you're in my chair. And the guy's like, Hey man, I didn't know. I'll get up like no problem. Right. And, and so, or the, or the boss come in and be like, Hey, I know you're new here. No worries, man. But that's typically where, you know, and he's like, Hey, no, it's how you handle situations. Right. But if, if you bring a fresh set of eyes and you don't know that what you're asking or what you're inquiring about is a hot topic, that's great, man, because then it puts people on notice. And the community starts to shut down very quickly, right, because they don't, they don't want change. They don't want you to come in as an outsider. You're not an insider yet. So, you know, how dare you come in here and, and look at this differently than the way we've always been doing it. And on the flip side, the guy's coming in going, man, I've been through this already. Like, guys, I, I can help with this. You know, we, let's let's change something here, you know. So it's it's a really interesting equation. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts to all of it. I, I look at to uh, the other day I had a friend of mine who was going over some of his volunteer departments rank structure. So, like, you know, a couple of different stations. So like what the requirements were for like lieutenant captain, you know, and then like assistant chief and then the chief's position. And there's, you know, and, and they're going through, he, he's explaining it to me because I, I was genuinely interested what their, their requirements were. And there was a lot of time requirements, you know, you had to do three years as a, a lieutenant, you know, in the volunteer organization. And then you have to do four years as a captain or five years as a captain before you can move up to the, to the assistant chief level. And I said, Hey, how do you handle, people who come in from the outside and he goes what do you mean and i said like well let's say me for an example right like let's say i joined your department tomorrow you know i moved in and i wanted to join with my experience i said like that being you know here in the career fire service for almost 20 years and 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 as with volunteer and career over 20 years i meet all the requirements on the education standpoint but how like not fast but like if, if they needed somebody to be qualified you know, on paper and then with experience in the seat, how long would it take me to be able to be eligible for a chief's position? 
And the guy looked at me and said, you know what? It would take you six years. And I was like, I mean, I, now granted, I know there's not going to be a, uh, you know, like, you know, somebody like myself walking into a department on a consistent basis. But the next question was, is there a vehicle to streamline somebody through to let them be, if they're qualified to be the officer and they can have that experience after a year or two, you know, and, and move the, the process. And like, they started defending why that wouldn't work. And I said, well, what if it was me? Well, yeah, we, we, would, we would figure it out. And, you know, it was just this, it was very interesting. And I started to kind of needle them a little bit just about it because, because it was, but like most guys don't like, they don't realize that their bench is not that deep. So what happens if that person who is, you know, working on, on all those officer positions with all these requirements, you know, they've got to put six or seven years in before they're, you know, eligible for something, which isn't bad, but then they move away. Like, and, and, you know, that, you know, you have that, you, you, you know, the ebbs and flows of a, of a fire company, like, how does that work? And, and, and they said, you know what, we've always had, you know, finally the, the consensus was we've always had a lot of people and this is the first time where we're actually realizing that we're going to be short and nobody's really doing anything about it. So it's, it's interesting. Without a doubt. I mean, it, you know, I, I, so many things went through my head when you were talking about that, but that, that is the thing is that I think understanding that, you know, you have to constantly be monitoring and looking at existing rules, regulations, bylaws, guidelines, and saying, do they fairly represent the department we are today, or does this represent the department we were 20 years ago, 10 years ago? And if if it doesn't, right, then we need to we need to do something about that. We need to change it to make it, and I'm not saying lower standards. What I'm saying is maybe change some of the standards, right? Not lowering by any means. I don't believe that to be the issue at all. And I've, I've witnessed that happen too, where, Hey, we right. get, if we lower, if we get rid of this one required, and this is in the volunteer sector, if we get rid of one of these required classes, we could have more people run for that position. And I've always sat there and said, well, why aren't we encouraging those people to go take that fucking class? Why are we lowering our standard to allow for more people to have the ability to do or maintain or hold a position. Why aren't we as an organization pushing our people to want to take more classes that are required to move up the line? That's what we got to look at. And as an organization, it's where are your priorities? Are your priorities filling a position or is your priority having the best person for the job? And if you don't have somebody for that job, then maybe that job remains vacant until you find somebody that's deserves it or, or has fulfilled the requirements to be there. I think anytime you lower standards, I think it speaks volumes to the department that you are. And that's scary to me. And I, I think that in a time like today where we do complain about the amount of training that goes into being a firefighter and, and the, the numbers keep climbing and the responsibilities, this and that. Listen, man, it's part of the gig. It's either you're going to do it or you're not. And if we're not, well, then guess what? We're going to have to find people to do it. And if we can't, then, this, then the situation is going to change. But what we can't do is vilify the process. I'm tired of it. I'm tired and tired of people having that conversation and complaining about, oh, they keep making it harder and harder. Are you telling me that we're still supposed to have the, the basic eight-hour essential firemanship class from the <laughs> 60s? I mean, come right. on, guys. Like, 
real conversation here. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of us lowering our standards. I'm tired. I'm tired of us not having people that want to commit and put time in. I'm tired of it. I always think of, uh, like the Roy Wood Jr. He's like one comedian, uh, and he and he did this thing about telling a story about working at Golden Corral as a kid, and he had to like I think he had to memorize 100 guest names with their, you know, favorite like side and drink and you know food or something like that to, you know, he got into 100 Club or whatever, and he was like, man, I don't think I'm going to do this. And his manager said to him, hey man, like think about all the stupid song lyrics you have floating around in your head you can do this just work out of a little bit and he said you know sure as you know, he, he got there he, he did it you know um and then there's a punchline in the story afterwards but uh like he was like if, if they're able to do that at a golden corral you know where it's a buffet essentially but you can you can commit to the time that's on these requirements i i, I agree with you 100 percent. i hate when people are complaining about the, the, the increase in time. I think that we, we fail in how we deliver that training as well. Like, I, I think we're still relying on that, the system we use for the eight hour essential class. And we haven't figured out how to use technology and, and other things to our advantage because that would be hard. And this is easy because it's what we've always done. I agree. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. There, there's always, there's always possibilities. There's always ways to better our current standing. There's always. And in the day that you stop looking to better yourself or your department, you start to struggle and then you start to suffer. And and the collective whole suffers too. So but that's a whole nother conversation, yeah. another episode, and so on. But good topic, man. Fresh eyes are dangerous eyes. I think that you know, an outsider's point of view sometimes can can at least if not make suggested changes, it can at least it can at least ensure that what you have in front of you is what you need. And I think that that's important, man. That's why you do independent audits. You know, that's why impartial, you know, impartial points of view. It's important because it holds you accountable. So, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed this, Jeremy. I thought it was going to go in a, in a completely different direction. I thought you were going to be hitting on on the aspects of people coming in and like trying to change the organization without knowing, knowing clear history and then that destroying it. Like this is, this has been awesome though. I, I, this, this, this took me, took me off my feet in a good way. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, that's what we want to do. And we're trying to keep the episodes with you and I, for sure. I'm going to keep them under 45 minutes. You know, Um, I think they're good hits. People can listen to them in one shot. It's a good topic. And I would say this, uh, anybody listening, uh, we've had just great success with the podcast. And so if you guys got ideas or thoughts of topics that you want to be tackled, please shoot us, uh, shoot us a direct message on one of our social media channels. Um, and you know, Instagram or Facebook, uh, shoot us a message, or you can email us at national at gmail.com. Send us a message about what you think about the podcast and some topics. And man, we'd love to dive into them and, uh, maybe we'll even give you a call and uh, get you on the phone with us while we're doing it. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Rob, thank you, man. I always love chatting with you. You're one of my favorite people, so I appreciate you. And um, talk about the, the store real quick, the uh, the merch. Oh, yeah. We So we got a lot of cool things going on at the store. Uh, sweatshirts, our hoodies are up now. So I know a lot of people have, have seen Jeremy and I sporting a Tiller Time hoodie in the past. Uh, we have Tiller Time hoodies up right now. 
We've got uh, T-shirts. There's mugs. Uh, we have Christmas ornaments. I think we got a couple of them going out today. Uh, patches, uh, stickers. We have a sticker pack for the holiday season that's out. Um, cool. So there's, a, there's a lot of cool stuff. Check it out. Get your orders in and, uh, you know, hammer them out soon because we're uh, coming up on our our deadline for Christmas, if you need them for Christmas gifts. And that is nationalfireradio.com, and that is constantly being updated, and and it will be upgraded. We got uh, first half of next year, we got some really cool stuff coming out, which will be exciting, uh, and that's all going to be web-based and so on. So we got a lot coming out there. But Rob's been working on the store. The website's kind of choppy, but we're we're cleaning it up. We're just a couple dudes figuring it all out as we go. Merchandise is one of those necessary evils, but we do appreciate people and their willingness to uh, purchase swag with our logos and brand on them. It means the world to us. And frankly, any money raised through the merchandise certainly goes right to the platform and what we're doing. So we do appreciate all of that. A note on the, uh, on the store, if you are ordering, please, uh, you know, it's not required, but if you could leave a cell phone number or a number for us to contact you by, uh, we, we have the email, but we, we love to reach out and uh, kind of do a cold call and follow up with you guys and and, and make sure that the quality is there. I mean, we'll send the email out, but uh, I'm old fashioned and that's, a, you know, we like to send a, you know, do a quick phone call with you and just make sure you're uh, okay with the product. And, you know, there's something in it for, for you if you're, uh, if you're there to answer the phone. So. Cool. Put your phone numbers in. Thank you, Robert. And the uh, last thing of housekeeping I want to do to talk about real quick is December. We are the tin of the month for Taylor's Tins. www.taylorstins.com. You can go on our social media and see the links. Uh, it is our Tiller Time logo. Uh, $30 for a tin. You order the tin. I will send you also a few stickers in the mail myself to follow up the tin coming out of uh, Taylor's Tins. As well as money raised, a portion of the money raised goes to uh, the Lieutenant Joseph DiBernardo Memorial Foundation, an organization very dear to us that we've done a lot of uh, projects with. And uh, the Joey D Foundation is doing incredible things for our own. So I ask you this holiday season, please go purchase a $30 tin and a portion of the proceeds goes to the Joey D foundation and that's for the month of december so go to taylorstins.com tell them you want the tin of the month and uh, let me know in a dm or an email that you guys ordered them and then i'll get the listing and we'll get you uh, some stickers out the door so we appreciate the support rob thanks for joining me for tonight man i appreciate you and uh we'll catch everybody soon and do me a favor take this conversation take it to the kitchen table and talk about it When we talk about the job, we make the job better. So do it. Go talk about it. I'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Hey, guys. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different The script gets flipped on me, and instead of me hosting the podcast, I am a guest on the Primary Complete Podcast Show with Steve and Matt. These guys are doing a great job, a bang-up episode, uh, a lot of great nuggets in there and things that I've talked about that I truly have not really talked about before on any other platform or podcast. So buckle up, enjoy the conversation, and as Matt and Steve say from the show, make conversation great again.